Pro, this is Payments Radio, the show for and about the payments industry, covering news, interviewing experts, and talking about all the ways the world pays. After almost one and a half years after the outbreak of COVID, some of us are getting a taste of normality. In particular, folks living in the UK are able to go back to the pub, back to shops, and back to restaurants. With UK society reopened, this episode will focus on how COVID has changed the in-store payment experience. My name is Megan Johnson, your host of Payments Radio, and today I'm joined with James Booth, VP Head of Partnerships at PPRO, Jessica Carroll, Head of Marketing at JudoPay, and Jumane Hutchinson, Head of Product at JudoPay. Jessica, well, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Megan. Yeah. So um, I'm Jessica. I head up the team marketing team at JudoPay. So I look after our marketing strategy, um, helping our new products go to market, and also growing our brand. Cool. Super. Thanks. And then James, welcome back again. Perfect. Thanks for having me again. Uh, so yes, I'm I'm James Booth. I'm the head of partnerships for the EMEA region at PPRO. Um, effectively, look after all of our client side and commercial relationships uh, uh, throughout the, the region, Judo Pay being a key customer of ours and strategic partner. Awesome. And Jumane, welcome. Hi, Megan. I'm Jumane Hutchinson, and I lead the product team here at Judo Pay. And uh, my job is to make sure that we deliver, help our merchants to deliver a good payment experience for their customers and help our merchants increase their sales. Super. So, okay, let's get started then. And um, yeah, get a bit more contact and an insight into judo pay um so yeah judo pay really 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 cool name um jumani can you tell us a bit more about what judo pay is all about yeah so judo pay is the leading mobile payments platform and we've built a flexible solution to enable our merchants to increase their sales and improve their customers checkout experience across a variety of different channels uh, supporting in-app payments uh, mobile web payments and, and even traditional website e-commerce payments. And most recently, we've also reduced the barrier of entry for accepting digital payments uh, to support smaller businesses in their recovery post-COVID and their growth. Yeah, super. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of smaller businesses have been um, forced to go digital and, you know, increase their, you know, card acceptance and alternative payment method uh, acceptance in, in recent times. I mean, Living in Berlin before COVID, cash was king. You know, you'd always have to have some cash with you. And now you see kind of the the local cafes and restaurants actually accepting cards. So, yeah, really interesting times. And Jessica, um, who are some of Judo Pay's clients? Yeah, so we actually have quite a large presence in the food and beverage sector. Um, okay. So that's like uh, par- bars, pubs restaurants um so we work with people like itsu revolution bar group kfc we've worked with for quite a few years on their mobile app um and then we also work in the mobility sector so when you go to pay for your parking um we work with connect cashless um taxis and also the fintech sector as well Okay, interesting. So, yeah, it, it seems it seems that a lot of your clients have uh, been impacted heavily in the past uh, year and a half. And, and James, um, how is PPRO supporting Judo Pay? 
Yeah, so obviously Judo pays uh, is one of our, our key clients in the region and and uh, like with our core products where we're helping them gain access to some of the local alternative payment methods in the market that mm-hmm. um, that they source from us okay. um, and obviously for us we we take care of the back-end complexity we sit behind them invisible not visible to the client so that they can concentrate on on a world-class front-end experience for uh, consumers and merchants and they can accelerate their go-to-market activities okay super so let's talk a bit about the um pre-covid payment experience um you know particularly with the focus on hospitality taxis um restaurants bars and and all those uh core clients of, of judo pay um so jimane if you could summarize in-store payments pre-covid in one sentence what would that be um it's a good one uh, interesting so i would say it's uh, it was somewhat cumbersome uh, with mm-hmm. the exception of apple pay uh, majority of people still using chip and pin rather than contactless yeah. um, before the, the increase to 45 pound okay interesting and jessica before covid what was on the roadmap for judo pay what were the big trends that were predicted to unfold yeah so Pre-COVID, um, we were really focused on enhancing our mobile offering, um, enabling more payment methods um, mm-hmm. from merchants with PPRO. So, you know, a lot of our clients are really looking to enable Apple Pay and Google Pay, um, increasing our auth rates for our customers. And also the big one of SEA, um, which has been dominating us for the past couple of years. Um, but you know, mobile has been you know, our key and core focus really um, since we were founded. So, you know, I think we've all kind of witnessed that that's been a rapidly growing trend. Um, Obviously didn't predict quite how rapidly it was going to grow the past year. Um, So I think for us, probably didn't necessarily drastically change our roadmap the past year, but it certainly sped up the things that we were doing as a result of COVID. Yeah, definitely. And I guess thinking about the different payment methods, I mean, you know, was the contact exp- contactless experience like, you know, as opposed to, um, you know, some of the other payment methods, would you say that contactless was the one that had the the greatest push for, okay, we really need to, you know, this needs to become standardized and, and consumers, you know, will be using this more? Yeah, absolutely. I think we can all kind of remember the start of COVID where actually a lot of shops were looking to go cashless or asking us, you know, if you can, please pay via contactless. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly this idea that, you know, we are trying to minimise contact between each other and we're potentially handing over something germ-ridden to the cashier. Yeah. So, yeah, there was a huge um, drive and kind of making sure that contactless um, was more available. Yeah, okay. And James, I mean, what was your view of the payments world pre-COVID? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Jessica and, and, and Germani pretty much uh, hit, hit the nail on the head. I have a very similar sentiment in that depending on the region or, or also depending on the merchant, it was either very clunky, um, mm-hmm. maybe not the best experience besides, um, as Giovanni mentioned, the, the Apple Pays or the, the contactless wallets um, that were popping up. Um, I think pre-COVID, we were in a transition. 
that things mm-hmm. were moving towards digital payments. We were moving towards getting more comfortable with paying with our mobile phones, moving away from cash. Um, and I think the, the, it's, it's clear that the whole pandemic has just accelerated that, that trend. I mean, Je- Jessica, you mentioned it didn't really affect your roadmap. And I'm not too, I'm not too surprised because we're all moving in that direction. Um, and it just completely sped it up. I think what's interesting now is now that we've accelerated five years worth of development within a one and a half year period, it's like, what's going to happen next? Because we look elsewhere in the world and in APAC, for example, they've been using QR codes for years. It's, it's the norm. Now in the UK, we're getting used to using our mobile phones. We're now getting used to QR codes. You know, after the pandemic, I think it'll stick just because of the convenience that it's brought to consumers. It's like, now oh, what's what's next? You know, now that we've got consumers using digital payments, there's a lot of things you can do there, and there's a lot of convenience that you can bring to to a consumers' life. Uh, definitely, and and James, just on the QR codes, you mentioned that they have been successful in many parts of Asia for years, um, and did not quite take off in the UK. I, I think to many the the black and white patterns uh, were quite alien. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when they originally came out, they were quite gimmicky as well. I know yeah. a lot of uh, advertisers uh, use them. And even on your phone, you had to have a specific QR code scanning app at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the hygiene and tracking implications born out of the pandemic, uh, from scanning, track and trace to the accessing of virtual menus in a restaurant, it has forced consumers uh, to be just become more com- um, comfortable with uh, QR codes. Yeah, I completely, completely agree. I mean, I remember when QR codes first came to the scene. I mean, I think they came to the UK too early because nobody really knew or were comfortable with interacting with it. Whereas now the UK is probably a little bit late to the scene, but because it's such a seamless experience, everybody's so used to it, mm-hmm. it's really taking off. And it, it, I, yeah, I think we'll see more of these types of interactions um, um, as we as we get back into the world and go back to the pub and restaurants. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, yeah, as, we, as we've as we been discussing, there's loads of scope for QR codes. I mean, it can, there, there's so many other extensions of our, our day-to-day that, you know, a QR code can can save us time. So, I mean, yeah, it'd be nice if kind of this this QR code uh, mindset is is here to stay and it's, it's something that picks up. I mean, yeah, I remember in the summer going to a restaurant here and to to view the menu, we actually had to scan a QR code. And that was kind of like the first time I've actually used the QR code. And I was like, oh, I, I, I don't have a, the QR code app. And then it was like, no, you just have to take a picture with it. And I was like, oh, okay, this is like really easy, quite seamless. Um, okay, so now that we've kind of set the scene, um, you know, talking about Judo Pay's role in helping uh, merchants with the payment experience, um, you know, what the payment experience was like pre-COVID, um, let's jump into what's changed um, and what the trends are in the post-COVID world. So, Jessica, let's focus in a bit on uh, payment types. So how have we seen the way and time in which customers um, uh, pay? How has this changed in terms of paying ahead, paying in store, paying at the table? Yeah, so we obviously kind of touched on contactless earlier and this rapid or kind of sudden shift away from cash um, that happened in store at the start of COVID. I guess on the extreme end of that, I don't know if any of you guys have been to the Amazon store that I think opened in London at the end 
of last year. Yeah, um, yeah the one up, the one up in I think it's by Ealing. Yeah, have you been? Yeah. I um, haven't been to that one, but I've been to the one in San Francisco, and I'm looking forward to going to the one here to have the to have the same experience. Yeah, the idea that you can essentially scan an app as you walk into the store, put everything in your basket, and not have a notable checkout experience at the end. You do obviously still pay, um, but you know, you're not entering your car details as you leave. You don't go to a till. That's obviously like an extreme version of cashlessness. Um, but even day to day, like we were saying, stores asking us not to pay with cash and pay via card. There's also been you know, technology that has been around for quite a while, like order and pay ahead, pay at table has really come to, into its own during the pandemic. So um, with like order ahead and pay ahead, um, you know, the likes of Greg's and Cafe Nero have really owned this during the pandemic. So this idea that, we, you know, we can order um, in our own convenience and pay, rock up at a certain time at the store and the food is ready to go. Like for me as a consumer, you know, that's great. I'm not having to queue for ages. But also for the merchant, it's great, especially if you're in a cafe, you know, your coffee or your sandwich isn't necessarily already ready to go off the shelf. There is preparation time mm -hmm. um, for the business. It makes it a lot easier as well. And my personal favorite that I really hope sticks around <laughs> long after the pandemic is pay at table. So um, I'm sure you guys have all kind of used the pay at table apps at the pubs now. Um, yeah, it's, you know, for the business, it's great because you don't have people wandering around and you're reducing um, contact. But for, you know, visitors to the pubs or restaurant, it's great. You know, you now have table service, which is awesome. Um, you get to spend longer perusing the menu and the drinks. You can tailor your options, whether you do or don't want ice or do or don't want fruit. Um, it's awesome. It's really easy to pay with kind of Apple Pay or Google Pay. And it's just a nicer experience, I think, overall now actually going out and not having to yeah. rage at the bar. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to completely agree with that. I think that's my favorite, my favorite experience or the favorite change is just, you know, we've always had access access to this. I mean, I'm, the, the, the local pub around for me around the corner is the Young's Pub. And they've got, I've got the Young's Pub app. I've had it for ages. And I've used it here and there because obviously I work in the payments world, so I'm a bit of a payments geek, so I've always <laughs> wanted to try it out. Whereas um, as soon as the, the, the pubs open for outdoor dining in the UK, booked, booked a lunch there, we ordered lunch, and we finished my first beer. And I mean, I didn't even think about calling for the waiter or waiting for somebody to come serve me because obviously you're not allowed to go to the bar. I whipped up my phone, ordered another drink. It was the easiest experience ever. It was, uh, it was, it was great. Yeah, I guess, I mean, for, for the listeners who, who may not be in the UK at the moment and, you know, have been to a London pub uh, pre-COVID, you know, I mean, for me, the, one of the, you know, unique and I think um, special things about the UK pubs is, you know, how packed they are and going up to the bar and queuing for ages and having to, you know, like jump in ahead of people and yeah, talking to some interesting characters. Sometimes you uh, wish that you weren't speaking to. Um, so this must be like a, just a complete different experience for consumers. Um, what what's the reaction from the merchant? You know, has has this yeah. kind of made the the serving experience um, easier from that for them as well? Yeah, I, I mean, 
uh, and many of the uh, partners that we work with, they've they've noticed an increase in spending, um, mm. which is attributed to the reduction in queues. Uh, so it's a lot easier to get orders in um, by bar staff not having to handle cash. When you're sorting that change and stuff, that it just all adds time to to the experience, um, and also. The customer satisfaction has increased as well. Mm. Um, you mentioned uh, meeting unsavory characters <laughs> um, at the bar. Uh, and if you're watching a, a sporting event, rugby or football, and that mm. big half time, um, that's no longer there. Uh, you can, uh, yeah, you stay at your table, uh, you order. And um, as Jess mentioned earlier, you, you get that table service, which you could only get before from more of the, the, the high-end establishments, but but now uh, everywhere you go, you get table service. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I think the key word is now wherever you go, you have choice. Mm. You, can, you can order ahead at, at, at coffee shops and takeaway places. You can still go up to the bar or, or uh, open a tab and you can just order to the table and it's it's just available to everyone, which is, I think that's that's the biggest, the biggest thing for me is just the choice and the, the freedom and flexibility now. Mm. And the fact that, us as consumers, we've we've bought into it, and 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 I, I really do see it continuing. Yeah. So I mean, I guess you know more convenience on the consumer side of things, but also you know it sounds like overall it's a more efficient experience um, for both you know the the, the pub owners, um, you know the the servers in the pubs, um, the restaurants, and also the, the consumers. So, I mean, I wonder, does this mean people are getting more beers in per hour if it's easier and they can just, <laughs> do we know, do people, are, are people drinking a bit more with this or is that a, a TBD? <laughs> there has been an increase in spending. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that we've noted that a, a yeah. level. Um, another thing that the, the pubs in particular have have really enjoyed i say enjoyed um in their recovery uh post covid is yeah. uh, many of them so break the breakspear pub chain um have had their app for uh, a while and they've been trying to push it and uh, the pandemic has accelerated the mobile payments adoption and now uh, majority of their transactions are actually through their app and i mean how is judo pay supporting their customers with um these apps how we support our, our customers uh, accepting payments in app is we have a mobile SDK which they can uh, in, integrate into their app, and it's basically we do the hard work for them. Okay. Um, and from a, a product point of view, I've uh, worked on products before Judo Pay, and I understand that uh, the product manager and the engineering team that are building uh, the, the Young's app they have so many other things to think about. They they, they need to have the uh, the menus on there they need to have the ordering systems token to their epo systems uh receipts so when it comes to the payments we like to say okay you know what we've got you here um you drop in this sdk and out the box uh you'll be able to accept um a range of different payment methods so from card uh, apple pay google pay and then the alternative payment methods as well that um we have uh, through our people relationship such as pay by bank app uh, pay, uh uh, WeChat Pay, Alipay. And what we try to do is, where possible, enable an easy switch on. So it's often when we speak, when I speak to some of our customers and they're like, Jamani, oh, uh, uh, you've told us about this new payment method, but we just don't have the time. 
uh, to, to add it. By providing them with a out-of-box uh, customizable uh, solution using our mobile SDK, when we have a new payment method uh, enabled uh, via PPRO, they simply need to update their SDK and switch. Mm. So th there's a list of payment methods. Um, they want to add Klarna, for instance, um, and they just set it to true and it will just appear and then they just need to update their app. Super, that sounds, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, fantastic experience that it's so quick. I think given, you know, there's so many new um, types of payment methods out there on the market, you know, and I think, you know, as, as James mentioned, the the more choice um, customers have, I think. Um, so, I mean, with, during COVID and I guess as, things get back to normal and, you know, these new ways of paying and ordering. Are, are merchants requesting a specific type of payment method? So is there a big spike in requests for, say, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Klarna, or...? So um, definitely merchants are requesting Apple Pay and Google Pay. Okay. Um, we have uh, one partner who didn't um, have either of them enabled mm -hmm. uh, and in the first week of enabling Apple Pay, Apple Pay accounted for 35% of their uh, overall transactions. And the interesting thing was that their, the share of transactions uh, for Apple Pay didn't really um, impede too much on their existing card transactions. Okay. So then, it, then it leads you to believe how many um, customers were they missing out, how many orders were they missing out on beforehand without having Apple Pay. I myself, um, I don't. I haven't taken my wallet out for a while. Yeah. Uh, so on the the pay at table um, apps, if they don't have Apple Pay, I'm normally quite stuffed. Uh, so um, Apple Pay has definitely been a key one, and uh, in some of the other verticals, um, we've seen a, a big push for bank payments. Um, okay. and this has been pushed with uh, typically bank payments compared to card have uh, cheaper fees. Um, mm. We've been pushing with PPRO uh, Pay by Bank app yep. um, with some of our merchants, uh, which has which has taken off really well mm -hmm. um, with minimal uh, marketing. Uh, while there's, there's still early stages, Mastercard haven't done a big song and dance about it. Yeah. Um, so another payment method would be Pay by Bank app, where merchants yep. are trying to, um, in their recovery, aid their recovery, cut down their costs and um, alternatives to card payments. Yeah. And I think I think when it comes to when it comes to the variety and let's say payment method mixtures and types, you know, the key the key balance there is is consumers are just looking for convenience. They're looking for what's seamless, what's easy for them to use. And you know, I'm 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 the same as you in, in the UK. I haven't taken my wallet out in ages. I can't remember the last time I actually used my card. <laughs> I I use Apple Pay almost almost exclusively. But I do agree. I think uh, I think as we as we move more into digital payments. Some of these other rails like bank transfer methods are, are going to become more important in the UK or more popular, especially due to the fact that the authentication method is becoming more seamless. Scanning your face to log into your bank account is, is very seamless now. It's mm -hmm. or scanning your fingerprint to authenticate on your phone is very easy. Whereas if you'd launched this or offered this type of solution a few years ago, it would be similar to the QR code situation that we talked about earlier. It was Great technology, but a little bit too early in its in its kind of uh, life cycle. It's a little bit too clunky. Whereas now we're reaching the point in time where bank transfers are are, are really becoming very seamless and looking to take mm -hmm. off. We look at uh, we look at other parts in Europe where bank payments have been around for a while, 
they usually were reserved for high value items because you would have to redirect yourself to uh, your bank account, you'd have to log in, it would be a bit clunky. But because of the facial recognition and, and fingerprint recognition, we're seeing the ATVs dramatically drop and they're starting to be more prevalent for lower value transactions. The UK is a bit behind in this because Apple Pay's done so well. Um, but I think there's there's room for disruption. And I think as, as authentication improves, it's going to be a very interesting landscape in, in five, 10 years time. I think mm -hmm. we're only right at the beginning because we've seen our preference change away from cards and cash to using our mobile phones. Once you've got consumers using their mobile phones, there's a variety of experiences that you can enable there. We're at the beginning now. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, Episode uh, four of the PPRO Payments Radio podcast, uh, we spoke to Trustly and, you know, some of their initiatives that they were working on with Pay by Bank and, you know, the, the convenience and, and, you know, security and, and safety, this type of um, payment method um, enables. And, you know, living in, in Germany where consumers are very conscious of, um, you know, privacy. And, you know, I, I think a lot of consumers prefer to use cash because it has that um, greater perception of um, anonymity um, as opposed to cards. Um, yeah, I mean, bank pay by bank transfer has been a, you know, a, a big thing in, in Germany for quite some time. So. Yeah, that's all. It's all about balance, about mm -hmm. reducing friction at the checkout, creating the best possible consumer experience, which JuloPay excels in, they're focusing on that. And they're making sure on the back end, you, you've always got the right mix and it changes at, at, at certain points in time. So really, if you look at it on a country by country basis, the mix and the concentration of payment method dramatically differs. Yeah. Um, the UK coming from a card centric world, moving into Apple Pay makes a lot of sense. But yeah. once you move to digital, as I mentioned, it, it really does change rapidly. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, I remember before COVID, uh, every time I'd go back to London, I wouldn't have to take out my wallet or card at all. I mean, from the moment I landed in City or Heathrow, it's, you know, Apple Pay for the tube and then, you know, Apple Pay at all the bars, at, at Pred and, and whatever. And it's just such a convenient experience when you can just, you know, very quickly and easily pay with your phone. So, yeah, I mean, how are the merchants then reacting? Are they kind of like, oh, I wish, you know, this is so seamless. We wish we had Apple Pay, you know, earlier. It just kind of, you know, that merchant you mentioned that, you know, started accepting Apple Pay and, and Google Pay and then had a higher transaction volume with these payments. Does that then kind of get them on the path towards opening up in terms of payment methods they accept? Or is this a, a catalyst for merchants? Definitely, it, it opens our eyes to um, additional payment methods to, yeah, to accept. And um, what we've seen is, especially with a lot of the uh, new uh, merchants coming on, um, mm -hmm. Apple Pay and Google Pay is a non-negotiable. Yeah, uh, that, that that that's just a that's just a must. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's made it a lot easier for us to push methods such as uh, Pay by Bank App, which is which is quite new. It makes it easier easier for us to push uh, in the retail space. We had Ideal, the likes of WeChat and Alipay, which people were very interested in and kind of taken a, a backseat only for the moment while tourism is a bit down. But as, as tourism um, uh, ramped up again, mm -hmm. uh, Alipay and WeChat Pay, these are methods that people were talking about before. And um, with the 
the addition of Apple Pay and Google Pay, people just open open their minds a bit. There, there is more yeah. to payments than just card. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I wonder if, you know, we talked about kind of how the QR code has finally, you know, become mainstream and it had its revival with COVID. I wonder, you know, will this be the same with um, Alipay and, and WeChat Pay? Um, will that kind of be exacerbated um, as well? But James, um, you know, we talked about some of the the trends to look out for. What does the future hold for, you know, the in-store payment experience, say in two years, five years and 10 years? Yeah, I, I mean, f- five years out, very difficult to predict. Things are moving <laughs> extremely fast at this point in time. But certainly, I, th- I think we're moving in in the direction of of frictionless and convenient payments. I think yeah. it's I think it's quite quite straightforward. I don't see anybody's strategy within the payments ecosystem dramatically changing because of the events that have happened over the past year and a half. We're moving towards a world where consumer preferences trump everything. Yeah. You don't offer the consumer what they want; they're going to go somewhere else. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's quite clear, and we're moving to just frictionless, easy-to-use um, experiences with choice. You know, I think I think we're going to see more of more choice. You know, if, I mean, already now with the pay ahead, pay in store, pay a table, we're going to be seeing more of that. I think that's going to become the norm across uh, the UK. Um, yeah, there, there's there's not not everybody's doing it today, but I think it will become the norm. And then I think once you have consumers in used to these experiences. I think it'll all be about uh, frictionless experience. Um, mm-hmm. Restaurants should know who you are by the time you arrive. You know they should already they should see your profile in in the app they use. They should greet you by your name. You, sh- you shouldn't even have to check out. It should be invisible payments. More Amazon Go stores, for example, that mm-hmm. should be kind of really proliferated around around the, the ecosystem. And I think just more use cases. I can think of a hundred use cases for the technology that we have today um, being put into place. So many areas for optimization. Golf, for example. I'd love to go play around golf and on the eighth tee box, order my lunch at the halfway house. And it's already sitting there by the time I'm ready. Yeah. And then it's even, and I can just, yeah, I can name quite a few at the top of my head. So for me, it's just choice and frictionless payments. Yeah. I mean, I think we're even starting to see this, you know, there's these new and up and coming startups that are groceries on demand. I mean, there's, I know there's a few in the UK, there's one in in Berlin and I think Amsterdam called uh, Gorillas. So, you know, that even is the whole experience of not having to go to a physical grocery store and not have to, you know, make that in-person payment. Everything is just app-based, but Again, it also gives the customer that choice, you know, how do I want to purchase my groceries today or this week? Um, so I think, yeah, in, in general, I think COVID has definitely been a catalyst for a lot of um, choice and, you know, greater convenience um, for customers in terms of, you know, how they go about their their day-to-day, whether it be grocery shopping or, you know, going to the pub and going to restaurants and these types of experiences. Um, so to wrap up, um, Jessica and Jumane, what should we look out for um, in the future from, from Judo Pay? So building on our, um, our Judo Accept products, uh, mm-hmm. which we uh, launched recently, enabling merchants to accept uh, e-commerce payments in a card-present-like scenario uh, without the need for additional hardware. 
and uh, working with PPRO to enable traditional e-commerce payment methods to be used in store, um, uh, such as uh, Klarna, uh, uh, PayPal Bank app and, and PayPal. Mm-hmm. Um, and also trying to extend um, our our uh, due to accept offering into venturing into soft pods. So again, helping customers accept digital payments using hardware they already own. We're really trying to reduce that barrier of entry. Uh, digital payments is only going to increase. We want to help all businesses, big and small, to accept digital payments. And then also building on our existing uh, aid our merchants to use other services such as loyalty, fraud, uh, through their existing due to pay integration. I think what's quite exciting as well is what we perhaps saw as the future of judo pay maybe a year ago. We've kind of almost achieved that today in the sense that, you know, a year ago there was still perhaps a bit of a barrier with mobile payments. There was still that behavior change in some cases that we needed people, you know, to get used to using Apple Pay or paying in store via an app. That has completely changed the past year. Um, so excited for what, you know, what maybe in kind of two years' time again. Um, I guess the other piece as well as you know, our use of mobile is expanding um, and we kind of talk about this kind of mobile revolution or digital revolution um, that's happening. We're also keen to make sure that um, you know, we produce products and promote things that are inclusive. So... Mm-hmm. With any kind of payment um, or technological advancement, <laughs> we want to make sure that we're not excluding mm. anyone as well. So, you know, we don't necessarily have the answers right now, but that is something that we are focused on as well. So that as, you know, we do continue down this um, road of mobile um, payments, um, that it is still kind of accessible to everyone. And I think yeah. QR codes are a good stepping stone for that in the sense that they're not just used for payments. You know, like you said earlier, people are kind of using them for menus. They're using them um, to, you know, download brochures or marketing Mm. materials. Um, So yeah, it's a nice kind of bridge gap, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. for me, me it feels like QR codes are the gateway to get you into that (laughs) digital environment. And then once you're in the digital environment, that's when when we can disrupt things. Definitely. Yeah, I think, you know, to, two three years ago you know thinking about talking about the future of payments i don't think any of any of us would have thought that qr codes would have been you know so central to the experience and yeah that this revival so it's been really interesting to talk about yeah the, the role of the qr codes um you know what the new payment experience looks like in in the uk um so you know how merchants and consumers are both benefiting from you know pay ahead pay at the table um you know, how this is, um, yeah, just creating more efficiency, convenience, um, more drinking as well. Um, yeah, and, and also it's really interesting and, and great to hear how, you know, Judo Pay allows merchants to so seamlessly um, integrate new payment methods. And yeah, I think we're all looking forward to seeing what happens um, in the next year and, you know, how the payment experience um, evolves and becomes increasingly frictionless and, and more convenience. And, you know, maybe we all um, have another 
podcast in two years and you know we're all talking about alipay and, and wechat pay and so that's kind of overtaken everything but tbd let's see so yeah um thank you to everyone for joining us today james jessica and jimane um it's been super yeah, interesting and I think uh, inspiring for a lot of uh, people who aren't necessarily in the UK, um, you know, to, to rethink the, the hospitality um, entertainment experience when it comes to payments. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. Um, we had a very interesting talk there about the new payment experience in the post-COVID world in the UK. And the next episode will be part one of a series we're running on central bank digital currencies, where we'll be talking about um, how to approach CBDCs um, with the privacy angle. So we'll be joined by Dave Birch and Ralph Allhausen. So stay tuned and thanks for listening.